Welcome Back to the Line podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. In today's gorgeous conversation, I had my friend, Evan Britton, who is a retired NFL football player, and he has been an advocate for cannabis and specifically getting people away from pharmaceutical drugs. Not that all are bad, but just creating alternative opportunities for people that are experiencing things like pain or anxiety or uh, all the things that we as Americans especially end up experiencing. He is also the co-host of a podcast that I listen to with Mike Tyson called Hot Boxing. Uh, he also hosts another podcast referred to as Evan Flows. Really fantastic human being and he is one of the few people that has reached the top of their life's goals. He was a like legit gladiator. He was a humongous what did he say his top weight was? I think he was like something stupid, three, 300 some, and he was like one of the fastest guys and just an impressive specimen of a man and was literally a modern day gladiator warrior. And during that time frame, he was in lots of pain, kind of just being forced to play in the NFL through the pain and uh, found his own path on how to start to work with that. This conversation starts off being something that I've been meaning to grasp and understand for a long time, which is the the origins of cannabis, the way it's been used in you know, back 10,000 years and beyond, and uh, the way it's potentially used in biblical times. And uh, it was literally one of the, the most important plants to the founding of the United States of America. And then what happened with its original criminalization. So really fantastic conversation. And uh, it ends up going into some more like meta directions where we're kind of just talking about what the hell we're doing here in the first place and philosophy and referencing Ram Dass and people like that a lot. So uh, towards the end, we go in that direction. Beginning is more of like a chronological timeline of the cannabis plant. If you all are interested in learning how to make your hips more mobile, if you're a person, it's got tight hips, you try to do a lunge or maybe you get some low back pain or something of the sort, I created a specific guide on how to help you unwind those tight hip patterns. So if you go to alignpodcast.com, you will see the link for the masterclass on unwinding any type of hip stiffness. Also, you can find it at the Align Podcast Instagram page. The link for it is in the bio. I so greatly appreciate you guys. Just follow along in general. I've been doing this thing for over five years, which seems strange. Uh, and so your reviews on iTunes are very helpful. Reviews for the Align Method book are very helpful. Thanks for grabbing the book. And here we go. Let's get this mofo started with my man, Mr. Evan Britton. Mother flipping Evan. Hey, brother. Thanks for making time to do this. We meet again. Yes, we do. Thanks for having me. We first were introduced several years ago. Two years ago? I can't remember now. Yeah, something at like, least two years. Something Maybe like that. three years ago. Yeah, and then I re—I was listening to some podcast with Mike Tyson, and you guys were talking with some professional. I think it was was it Tyson Fury was probably the one that I was all I was all hot and bothered, mm. bothered about Fury. And uh -huh. I was listening to hear Tyson. And I was like, wow, what a freaking conversation between these guys. And then I hear this voice <laughs> in the background, and it sounded exactly like this guy Evan 
that I connected with like years ago. And I was like, who the fuck is that? I was like, that's mother freaking Evan. <laughs> I love it, man. We're full circle. We're back. I know. I freaking love it. And you hit me up. I was like, hell yeah. What's up, Aaron? It's been a while. Yeah. How the hell did you make the connection with Tyson? And what was the evolution of all of that? You were doing your podcast, which is now, it's a, there's a different podcast after that, yeah? Yeah. So that was, you came on the Mindful Warrior podcast. Correct. It was me and my buddy, Nate Jackson, yeah. other former NFLer. And we had you on to talk about all kinds of good stuff. But I met Mike because very organically, I, coming out of my NFL career, I fell into cannabis advocacy. And one thing led to another. I started an organization called Athletes for Care, which is very much about education and empowerment for athletes in their life after sports. And it was galvanized in this community of athletes who had found healing either during their careers or in their post careers with cannabis. So somehow, oh, I, I know how I got a phone call from one of my former team doctors in the NFL. And he said, Eben, I'm coming out to LA next week for a cannabis and sports symposium being put on by Mike Tyson. He said, I've been following everything you're doing and you really seem like the guy who's at the forefront of this conversation, cannabis and athletes and sports and how it can be used as a medicine, as a recovery tool, etc. And I'd want to link you guys up. So he connected me with Mike and his business partners at Tyson Ranch. I got connected with them. Long story short, they said, Eb, we've got to put on this medical summit next week. We've got no idea what we're doing. And can you help us? And at that time, I had spent probably the last couple of years touring the country with a group of like-minded athletes doing talking on panels from everywhere from UCLA Medical School to Harvard Medical School, all of these conferences talking about how cannabis can benefit athletes and what it did for us during our careers and in our life after. So I said, yes, of course, I can help you put this thing together. I brought in a bunch of athletes, got a bunch of neuroscientists and researchers and team owners and some team docs to join on this panel. I put together a little presentation and it went great. We filmed it. It was the Tyson Holistic Summit. And from there, they said, Ed, we really just love your energy. We want you to be around. We think you could do a lot for us with your cannabis knowledge as a consultant and maybe some other things that we're doing. And they started paying me to show up and I just start, kept showing up. One thing led to another. They wanted to bring Mike's podcast back. He had a podcast called Bite the Mic back in the day. That was, you know, it was a celebrity talk show. It was co-hosted by Pete Rosenberg, who's sort of a New York radio personality. And he drove the ship and you could tell Mike was not really interested in it yeah. at that time. He was still very much in a dark place. And when I met Mike, he was in a very dark place. And that was one of the most interesting parts of that whole journey was being with Mike through this healing evolution that he went on. So they said, Ed, we want to start up Mike's podcast. We'll build you a podcast studio. 
in the office. We'd love for you to record your show and help us produce Mike's show. And then that turned into hot boxing. And then the next thing I know, I'm co-hosting this podcast with Mike Tyson mm. called Hot Boxing. Meanwhile, he's going on this whole journey into self with, you know, it started with uh, an experience with 5-MeO-DMT and that really allowed him to shed a lot of the baggage that he was holding on to. And that's sort of the narrative arc of where Hot Boxing started and where it's gone was, you know, documenting Mike and his healing process. So that Tyson Fury episode, that was pretty far down the line. And he was, you know, he's continued to be in a great place. Now he's, now he's fighting again. So it was a very interesting ride. And every day I found myself hanging out with Mike Tyson at his cannabis company office. One of the things that you mentioned in there that kind of, so I did a reasonable amount of research for this specific episode because I think that cannabis or marijuana as it was changed to be called uh, is one of the most misunderstood plants mm. I would say very intentionally so mm. and so one of the things you, you say is like oh we had all these researchers and neuroscientists yes. and these people come together you know that were advocates of the plant and then that kind of reminds me back to one of the things that I, I picked up was the the Nixon administration had a similar camp of researchers with their their from what I read, their intention was to um, defame cannabis and, yes. and, and criminalize it and all that stuff. And then what Nixon's researchers found as they were going through is like, this stuff should be decriminalized. This stuff is medicinal. Yeah. Like this is, I don't really, yeah. I don't really see the point, yeah. President Nixon. And then he, of course, threw that away and then continued marching with the war on drugs. And it has such a interesting history going back to like, the, yes. like, what are your thoughts on, on the perception of cannabis and the reality of cannabis? Well, for me, I have to start with, I came to cannabis very intuitively. As a teenager, I was very curious in it. I have a very, um, my background, my family background is steeped in the terms of the day, which are alcoholism, depression, mental health disorders, which going back through the ages to me could be summed up in my first American ancestor, this woman, Mary Bliss Parsons, who came to America in 1638. She was on trial for witchcraft multiple times, had, uh, had feuds with the townspeople, women thought that she was constantly trying to seduce their husbands, etc., and was very much this outlier. But because her husband was tied into the elite class of judges and lawmakers, he was always able to get her off. She lived to be in her late 80s, had 11 kids. And much of my journey in this life has been about reactivating that lineage and rectifying it in a way. And cannabis has this, because at the end of the day, what is witchcraft? Witchcraft in a, in a sense is a form of paganism. It's a form of nature worship. It's a form of living with the spirits in the land as you know, the ancient peoples did. And 
cannabis, I always gravitated towards it. Um, but it didn't really become a part of my daily life until I got to the NFL. When I was dealing with tons of physical trauma, shoulder dislocated, I had shoulder surgery, back surgery, you know, every part of your body hurts when you're playing football and in the NFL. And you've got to constantly get up and override your body's pain mechanisms, pain protection mechanisms to get back on the field and perform at the highest possible level. The way that's dealt with in an NFL locker room is with lots and lots of prescription pills, whether those are prescription anti-inflammatories like Cataflam or Indocin, and then you move into the opiates as the pain and the season wears on and it gets harder and harder to get yourself out of the pain and in, onto the field. So for me, the pills always made me feel horrible. They wreaked havoc on my gut and my digestive system. Opiates, I have a handful of opiate experiences, waking up at three o'clock in the morning with withdrawal symptoms, cold sweats, chills, a knifing sensation in my gut, needing more pills just to feel like I could function. And so cannabis, very intuitively, I realized as an athlete in that very um, high adrenalized state, I could come home, I could smoke a little cannabis and I could decompress physically and mentally from the day and the grind. And I would wake up feeling recovered, like I could go and do it again. Now, that being said, I was always a team leader. I was always a team captain. I was always a guy that, um, you know, the coaches looked to to set the example for the rest of the team. So for me, for anyone to find out that I smoked weed was devastating. I could not imagine that. It would have killed my whole persona, my whole image as a team leader and a captain. So my cannabis use, I kept very private for a long time. I just knew intuitively this is the one thing that can help me recover. It helps me get back on the field. It helps me perform at the highest level I can. So coming out of my career, I was completely lost. I really had no idea what I was doing with my life. Uh, I had this dream of being a writer throughout. I majored in creative writing in college, and I always had this underlying vision of my life as a, as a writer, as a storyteller. So, but it's not that simple when you leave a career that you've focused your entire life on, and now you have to re-identify yourself, and all the shame and the guilt of the past life is you know, creeping into your daily experience through conversations. Why'd you leave? You're so young. You could still play. You know, meanwhile, my body is just dying to be done. You played longer than most, most people, didn't you? I had a six-year career. The average is about 2.3 years. Crazy. So I wrote an article. I came out of my career and I wrote an article for Sports Illustrated where I talked about my experience dealing with injuries, cannabis, prescription pill use, and that got a lot of attention publicly. I got a lot of, you know, sort of, thank you, way to go, Ebb, from old teammates. This is so meaningful. And thank you for sharing your story. That, that was my experience. I also got from ex-trainers, how the hell could you say that? 
how the hell could you say that we just treated it like a pill mill? And I'm like, well, dude, I just, I wasn't calling anybody out. Yeah. I was just explaining the, the mechanism of, you know, an NFL training room and a locker room. Um, so cannabis intuitively, I used it as a recovery tool throughout my football career when the pills just weren't working for me. Mm. So coming out, I get in touch through cosmic instances. My agent, my ex-football agent now hits me up and says, Eb, one of my former players, a guy named Kyle Turley, is a big cannabis advocate. And he read your article and he's putting together a panel and wants you to be a part of it. Can I connect you guys? And Kyle Turley was always a huge hero of mine as a former offensive tackle and all pro. And now this guy was really the spear, tip of the spear in this movement for cannabis as medicine for football players in particular. So I get in touch with Kyle. He says, Eb, I'm doing a, a cannabis and sports panel out in Phoenix. I would love for you to join and come and tell your story. And at that time, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. This felt right. It felt organic. It felt like where I needed to go. So I said, yeah, Kyle, I'd love to join you. So I go to this panel. It's myself, Kyle Turley, Ricky Williams, Nate Jackson. And I'm not even really sure what to say. I just start talking about my experience, dealing with injuries, how cannabis helped me recover when the pills failed me and left me in a worse state than they found me in. Cannabis was really there to lift me up help me get rest, help me reconnect with my family and my loved ones in a time when I was out of my mind completely. Um, and I'm telling the story in front of a room. It must have been a thousand people, everyone from military veterans to cancer survivors to people with children, mothers and children who suffer from this very severe seizure syndrome called Dravet's who cannabis has, you know, taken them off all medications and helped reduce their seizures to just about none so that these people's lives can be, have any quality of life whatsoever. And sharing my story, I was like, wow, this is so much bigger than me. You know, this is such a much bigger issue than just my experience dealing with pain not to mention concussions. So then Kyle starts talking and Kyle leads it off with, he goes, he, he starts talking about the federal government has a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants. Patent 6,630,507. And this just fucking blew my mind. The fact that our federal government has a patent on the chemical compounds found in the cannabis plant that says that they've seen through scientific studies and research that they act as antioxidants and neuroprotectants. That means it helps to protect the brain before damage occurs and can help the brain heal post-injury. And it lit this fire in me. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? My whole experience as an athlete came into focus and was legitimized this sensation because I was always functioning under the idea that this was like this back alley 
thing that I should be ashamed of using. Yeah. I should be ashamed that I have to smoke weed to feel better, you know? And the idea was very intentionally conceptualized from a small group of people. Yes. And so Kyle reads this thing and it, it just opened me up and it, it lit this fire of a thirst for knowledge. So I started educating myself on everything I possibly could about the cannabis plant and how it functions in our body. And then I came to understand that we have this system in our body, the endocannabinoid system, and our bodies actually produce endogenous cannabinoids, uh, mirror replicas of the chemical compounds found in the cannabis plant to do and to create certain, uh, to help the body achieve homeostasis, for lack of a better word. The endocannabinoid system is much very much responsible for our sleep rhythms, our appetite, our mood, and how we feel and deal with pain. Hmm. The pain and the sleep were very much a part of my football life and having that experience, that direct experience of how those things helped. So I learn about that. And then I start to learn about the history of this plant. You know, it's a more than, as far as we have been able to tell, it's at least 10,000 years old in how it's been used back into ancient Chinese dynasties. And then to learn about the American history behind it and how cannabis was really a go-to part of the American pharmacopoeia up until the year 1937, which is when Harry Anslinger and William Randolph Hearst And one of the DuPonts got together to create this thing, the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, where they made it illegal to cultivate, grow, sell cannabis. Now, up until that moment, cannabis was widely used for every, to treat everything from insomnia to impotence. There were tinctures. You could go down to the local drugstore and get a cannabis solvent to use in various ways. And so that just really opened my mind up and released me from all this shame and this uh, sort of keeping my cannabis use in the shadows, you know, because I, I began to, my, my perspective shifted from this is something that people into this, my perspective shifted into this is really a medicine that people need and need to have access to. So For me, cannabis advocacy became a huge deal, especially as it pertains to getting the NFL to take cannabis off its banned substance list, which they've recently just done. They've essentially taken THC and CBD and they've said they're not going to test for it anymore, which is a huge step. That's a huge win in this latest CBA. And... For me, it's because there's nothing on the planet that can help treat concussions and potentially even be a preventative for CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy that football players of all levels suffer from greatly in their life after football. I am interested in really getting into like a a timeline of the story of, of weed 
you know, and mm. it's, it's something that's, because that's something I've been trying to piece together, like mm-hmm. the puzzle pieces of like, why do I, you know, I remember growing up, I think the first time I got busted smoking pot, I was smoking out of a, like a tin foil can in my room with this guy called Alex Nelson. Sorry, Alex, if you're listening. Um, and we're up there, you know, and we're smoking out of the can. We've been smoking a lot, you know, a lot at that point. But, you know, my, you know, my parents come up and I hear them knocking on the door and, the, you know, the room's hot boxed, you know, not with Mike Tyson, with Alex <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> And it was like hell broke loose. Yeah. You know, it was like we did, you know, the most terrible thing. Oh, yeah. And then that's all stories that have, you know, very intentionally have been seeded since, you know, the early, like, 1920s. I think it was yeah. kind of the beginning when William Randolph first and the, all the guys, yeah. they started having competition. And, but before that, the history that I find really fascinating is cannabis, in a sense, this might be a stretch, but it's like, almost like a co-founder of the United States of America. Absolutely, yes. You know, so it was like the, yes. the, the insane irony, and this is all stuff that I'm, I'm learning recently, but now the way that it is illegal in most places to grow it, you can be fined, you can be jailed and all that, to grow it originally during yes. the, the the beginning of the colonies yep. and coming from Britain. Farmers that was were superpower. mandated you to grow You needed it. to grow this shit or yeah. you would be fined or jailed. Yes, you'd pay taxes <laughs> in hemp. Wow. Dude. Because the most powerful military force on the planet at the time, the British Navy, used hemp in all its capacities to do just about everything. Make their sails, ropes, they ate the seeds. They cultivated it for their uniforms and everything else. So it is. It's. It was on the ten dollar bill. It was in the in the background in the nineteenth century. The ten dollar bill had cannabis fields. It's like amazing. we literally, literally, it is the. I mean, I don't know if there's probably a better better word than co-founded the United States, but it's like running that it's fundamental is fundamental it was the co-founder it was like the spouse it was like you know it was the, yeah. the bottom bitch yes. it was like my best girl yeah and then all of a sudden money got involved and Business. power and all that yep. and then it was essentially like a complete betrayal mm-hmm. where we threw it under the bus yep. and then we we bastardize it and demonize it and really intentionally invest millions of dollars at the time into creating this propaganda story and now i even still feel little semblances in myself of like when i say things when you say things like marijuana is medicine i immediately have some of my new age kind of radars go off you know it's like or you say propaganda again once again i'm like oh here we go i'm like that's exactly what it is yes yeah, it's total. It was propagandized, bastardized, demonized. And why did they do that exactly? Well, there's from if you take the example of the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, which was William Randolph Hearst, Harry Anslinger, who is the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, which later became the DEA, and you had Andrew Dupont. So the two business interests there, William Randolph Hearst had Andrew Andrew, Andrew Andrew Mellon and Andrew William, Mellon William Carnegie. Dupont. Yes. Yeah. So William Randolph Hearst had acres and acres of paper trees, and it was beginning to become very clear that hemp was a much more sustainable, much more easily processed fabric to cultivate than paper. 
Yeah, it was called the Billion Dollar Crop by Popular Mechanics. Yes. I think it was a magazine yes, at the time. Exactly. There's a specific like, machine came there's out. There's 50,000 industrial uses for the hemp plant. And the big issue was hemp grows so Fast. voraciously. Yes. Yeah, so you can throw some hemp out there and it's out. And then you can throw it to this machine, which that was, I think, was yes. a pivotal point. I think it was like a corn or something corn, corn something, but some machine that yes. processed the hemp. Yep. In, impeccably well so yes. it was like super efficient it was like oh yep. this is it yeah meanwhile there's this competition it's like why well, have all these freaking trees yeah i have all these paper what am trees. i gonna I'm do the biggest publisher in the world and now. dupont was an oil guy so it was nylon dupont was oil and then steel the melons was steel yeah henry ford was building starting to build car parts out of hemp fibers yeah it was it lighter, was stronger, more efficient, more the, durable. Yep, the Model T ran on hemp oil. Exactly. So they got together and said, "Harry, we can't let this happen, dude. We we have to do something because this is going to destroy our industries." Yeah. So they came up, they did the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, which basically made it illegal to grow, cultivate, manufacture, distribute and sell anything cannabis related. Meanwhile, William Randolph Hearst starts running this whole propaganda campaign saying that blacks and Mexicans are smoking marijuana in the streets and raping white women. And jazz music was satanic voodoo music. Exactly. So they created this whole dark underworld about what cannabis was. Meanwhile, Fiorello LaGuardia, who was the mayor of New York City at the time, he puts together a whole board of doctors and, and medical professionals from around the city and says, guys, I've got about 300 pissed off hash house owners right. who are beating down my door saying, what the fuck? I have to shut my business down now because you, this plan is now deemed illegal. Yeah. So he put together this whole thing, did a whole, it's called the LaGuardia Report. And it's a big document basically debunking all of those crazy myths. And he did it back then. It was like 19, right around the same time in the late 1930s. And he said, look, here is physical medical proof that this plant literally does, it does not make people violent, does not make people aggressive. It's a peace inducer. People, it's got a variety of medicinal benefits this should not be illegal they shut it down and kept on with the propaganda and then that got that that whole thing just steamrolled and continued with the nixon era and then nixon two of his biggest enemies were the hippies and the black panthers so he used drugs cannabis and heroin in particular, to demonize those groups. What was the history between the Tax Act in 1937 to Nixon administration? Was cannabis kind of off the shelf at that point still? It totally was, illegal. Totally illegal. Totally illegal. Was it considered a, a what is it called, class schedule one, one? Schedule one. Schedule that one, that happened with Nixon. Okay. He threw the Schedule one on it during his presidency. Well, that was when the DEA and all that came into formation. Yeah. And they created all these restrictions around it and threw cannabis in the same classification as I think it's even schedule one is completely illegal. Can't do academic research on it. Yeah. If you're caught with it, it's a federal crime, et cetera. So 
that's been one of the big issues of the cannabis movement is to deschedule cannabis. We want it off the scheduling list so that we can, I mean, it's so, you know, it's become so complex, you know, very intentionally, like you said, it was very, this was a very intentional propaganda war on this plant to gain control over a population who could have really benefited from it. Yeah. I think it's like, I'm coming to feel more deeply that if you want to understand the truth, which I don't even know what that word means exactly in like the modern day, I'm like, I don't even know. Uh, but if you really want to understand what the hell is going on, the likely places to go are the places that society says you're not allowed to go. <laughs> like behind that, if it yeah. feels like if you, if there's, you start getting like anxiety to even think about a topic, it's like, pretty safe to say it's a, it's a good bet that there's something behind that yeah you yeah. know and so with like the cannabis it's like that's just one apparent example where it's just like oh my god like that i literally was completely indoctrinated into a, an utter lie mm -hmm. that i then end up perpetuating and feel feeling guilty myself yes just because of that as you start to kind of unfurl that and understand like oh wow like i was really misaligned with that then it's it's my mind inevitably ends up going in the direction of like Oh, what else is there? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> completely. Completely. You know, that this was a big awakening for me. And honestly, it's when you understand what they've done to create this, these lies and this history of mythology around something that is so beneficial. Because there really, there really is very few negative side effects, if any, with the cannabis plant. Yeah, alcohol uh, is the most dangerous drug out there. Oh yeah, as far as deaths and I mean, far and beyond as far as dangerous substances to ingest goes. Cannabis is just about at the top of the most innocuous, helpful plant you could take in. Yeah, and it's like you said earlier, though. Um, Whatever, what was it you said? Um, I said in a very if you very think roundabout. something, whatever you're thinking, do oh, whatever the you opposite. Think, think the opposite. That's a book, Paul, yes. Paul Arden. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a legit way to live your life. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, especially in this because we live so much based on programming. Yeah, you know, and even my experience with the cannabis plant when I was consuming it back then was wrapped up in my my thought process about doing something illegal. Oh, yeah. And doing something shameful and that was, you know, I could get in trouble for. So unraveling all of that, it's like you said, you begin to go, what else are we being lied to about? What else are we not being told the whole truth on? One of my favorite bits of cannabis mythology that I've come across is there's a famous French explorer. I can't think of his name at the time. It was around the mid mid to late 1800s, and he was going through Africa. And he was in West Africa, and he came upon the Dogon tribe. And the Dogon tribe have an annual cannabis festival. Their community is very much centered around cannabis. There's no crime. There's a very tight unit. They have a vast knowledge of the stars and all of these things. And so this explorer, he goes and he meets with the chief and the chief says, oh yes, go up to this cave. 
and you'll see much of our history is painted on the walls in the cave. So he goes up to the cave, and they have all these cave drawings and paintings of the constellations, and he they point to the Sirius constellation, Sirius A and B, the dog stars. And they say, they tell him, they say, people from the Sirius stars brought us the cannabis plant. Mm. And they said, this plant will bring you peace. And throughout the history of this tribe, that's why they celebrate cannabis to such an extent. And they talk about how Sirius A and B, at the time, we didn't even know that there were two stars of Sirius. We only saw one. We hadn't had the technology yet to see that there were two. And they're talking about Sirius A and B, and they say those are the dog stars, cannabis, two dogs. It's the two dog star plant brought here to bring man peace. And I've always thought that in the context of what the plant is and what it means and how it continues to show up. And even now, what's fascinating is through this whole coronavirus pandemic, cannabis is starting to pop up as a potential healing tool, preventative. I mean, some researchers are even calling it a potential cure, but they're saying that the CBD in particular mixed with a very specific terpene profile reduces inflammation in the lungs and the respiratory system. So they're finding all of these fascinating, you know, potential applications for cannabis as a treatment for, it's already been known to be an antiviral. But in this, you know, in this climate with coronavirus and so much fear, it's like we're dying for an answer. Hey, maybe cannabis can bring us some peace in that realm as well. Wanted to take a moment and thank a very special mineral referred to as magnesium. Magnesium is one of the most vital minerals that we can have in our daily nutritional profile. We end up missing it because it is largely void in modern day soil through things like monocropping and things that we've discussed in previous episodes. So it's one of the only supplements that I personally will actually purchase and I'll keep in my cabinet no matter where I'm at. I will go down to whatever grocery store, grab myself some magnesium. The issue with many a brand of magnesium is they do not have the full, all of the different varieties of magnesium. So there's seven different types that you would be wise to ingest. And our friends over at Bio Optimizers have created a supplement for us to be able to ingest that includes all of the different varieties of magnesium. So really great stuff. It's the highest quality that you could get. Um, I don't like the term best personally because I think there's a lot of good things in the world, but this would be in the category of the best. And uh, so really great stuff. I'm excited about it. And we can get y'all a 10% discount by going to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. So that's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast. So magnesium, big deal, helpful with fat metabolization, helpful with energy production, helpful with relaxing your nervous system. If you have tight muscles, if you're having issues going to sleep, any stuff like that, I use magnesium, this stuff particularly every night before bed, I take little two little capsules, put it in some water and uh, I approve. So check it out, magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast for 10% off. All right, here we go back to the program with my dog, Evan.
Yeah. There's a, a book called The Master and His Emissary, mm. which I highly recommend if people haven't haven't already checked that out. And it's all about how the, the left hemisphere, the relationship of the left and right hemisphere of the brain. Mm. So the left is, you know, touted to be kind of more like the analytical mind mm-hmm. and thinking inside of the box and getting shit done. And then the right is more like, just throw color at the wall and like love each other. And like, let's kind of like morph the shapes. <laughs> and the, the, the tendency is that the, the master is going to be that hyper analytical, get shit done, put it within the confines of the box and like press forward. And that ends up typically in the individual level that will end up trumping that more colorful, fun, feminine side. Mm, mm. You know, and so yeah. it's interesting when you start to look at that in, in from a cultural level because yeah. we're just you know one master and his emissary times seven and a half billion. Yeah, and you start to see how like oh like that like the patriarchy. Yes, you know, and you see yes. even like the the ideas of. You know, alcohol in the master and its emissary relationship, if you're using that metaphor, or cocaine or something like amphetamines of any sort, or, or like legal legal cocaine, so like Adderalls and mm-hmm. things of that sort, mm-hmm. things that focus, get stuff done, drive forward, yep. repress, suppress, get it done. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking go. <laughs> you know, yes. I know you're bleeding. I know you're hurt. I know you yes. like all that. You're being a pussy. Let's do go. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Totally. So it's like that, like, I think that goes back to like Native American times mm-hmm. and it's like they're smoking the peace pipe oh, and yeah. kind of like, oh, let's bring some alcohol into the scenario. Mm. You know, then we can start kind of continuing whatever the agenda of the white man was. Mm. You know, I think yeah. it's like when personally, when I utilize cannabis, which isn't often enough in my opinion, it's maybe, I don't know, it kind of ebbs and flows, but it's like maybe like once a week, mm. I'll have like a nighttime experience mm-hmm. where everything's done, I'll clean the house, I'll burn some, you know, wood, Paul Santo, yeah. whatever, I'll smoke some pot, I'll listen to Alan Watts or Ram Dass, yes. I'll get my journal out, you know, whatever. Yes. I'll stretch and immediately upon getting high, I just go into like doctor mode. Mm. You know, I was like, oh, I need to, oh, I'm not breathing right. Mm. Oh, I'm anxious about this. Oh, I kind of wronged that person. Mm. Like I need to, to, I'll literally make notes. Like I need to get that person a gift. Yes. I need to like, like that relationship is really, really valuable to me. Like Mm. they really mean a lot. Mm. I need to let them know. Like first thing. You know, sometimes I'll send stony texts like, I love you, man. Yeah, <laughs> totally, dude. You know, but with, yes. with, with the alcohol or the amphetamines or all the things that are kind of more... Charge! Okay, it's just like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're making money, we're baby. We're going to fucking do this. <laughs> totally, man. <laughs> well, cannabis is, is very much an aspect of the divine feminine in that way. Yeah. You know, it, it really brings you into yourself it's a mirror for sure that's why i believe when people have a bad experience with cannabis it's because you're being confronted with all of your inner shit Mm. you know like you said yeah from the from not superficial but superficial in the processing of it you're going oh i'm not really i'm not taking it full breath Mm. oh my back hurts oh i'm fucking exhausted yeah like, wow, I didn't even realize how exhausted I am. Like, the, I can feel the cells in my body just need to, to lie down and decompress. Yeah. You know, you said a great word uh, when we were hanging out last week that's been ringing in my ears. Um, and one of your, 
I think, man, the brilliance of, of you and who you are in this grand scheme and people I've met is your fluidity of thought and how you think. Mm. And because we were talking about those experiences of getting too high and how, for me, it's been a very acute sensation of dissociation. Like I said, it's, it's as if you just spilled a bag of marbles on the floor and you're trying desperately to collect them all and you're putting them back in the bag, but there's a hole in the bag so they just keep falling out and you can't latch on to anything. When you're getting too high, yeah. 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 But you said, you said, use the word unbound. Mm. And I've taken that into my practice lately because I like to consume cannabis and then work out. Yeah, me too. So I feel like it just loosens me up. It gets me into just a flow mode. I'm not concerned with whatever the fuck is going on around me. It's just like, let me zone in on this workout and my physical body and how this feels when I move this and lift this. And I, I took a little bit more than normal the other day and I got really high and I started to feel that dissociation come on. And I said, no, what if we're just unbound? Mm. And I fell into that and it was so wonderful. Mm. Yeah. I think that's like the, the, the distinction between disassociation and non-attachment. I think they can be both of those words. I think you could easily classify them into the same bucket, uh-huh. but non-attachment gets into like all of the, the spiritual stuff yes. and you know, all of the gurus yes. forever have been like, if you yeah. have attachment, you will have suffering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, Oh, exactly. that experience like, God, I love sex i love money i love love yeah. i just love love <laughs> you're like oh you're gonna have a rough day yeah, coming. yeah bro you know it's, it's like love bad. like love is great so is pain yeah you know so if you can be in that place of of neutrality but actually coming from a, a, a truly a place of compassion mm. but like it's like neutral compassion mm-hmm. you know not being overly attached to any any of the bits yeah. good or bad yeah that's going to be a person that's probably going to have more balanced, you know, blood pressure and blood sugar and yeah. you know, just more like a homeostatic being as opposed to a being that's operating on like, you know, essentially like the, the housing market or the stock market. It's like some right. days you're up, some days you're down, some days you're yep. up, some days you're down. As long as your happiness is dependent on, other on things. that story. Yeah. But I think that it's easy for a person to put cannabis into a category of like oh you're just trying to run away from your problems Mm. you're just disassociating yeah and as opposed to perhaps looking at it like the way that the the sufis have looked at it for thousands of years and the way that you know many religions and spiritual practices and you know william shakespeare apparently had a bunch of weed pipes around his his place they found yeah after the fact yeah obama steve jobs and all these different people of course you know, but I think that the, the, those people that are coming up with these really f- stories and tales and art that we've praised, you know, it's it's f- for hundreds of years, thousands of years, tens of years, um, I think that they're coming from more of that place of actually more deeply integrating mm. through this thing that's kind of been conflated with, with this story of disassociating. Yes. Yeah, you know, and that's the, I think that's like a distinct difference. And if you're if you're a disassociator, then perhaps you could use almost anything as that. But it, it seems to me like things like psychoactive substances in yes. general, they kind of have their own 
personality in a way. Yeah. And you can go into it mm. as a certain way and you will shape it and shift it. Mm. But it's also this other force mm-hmm. that will kind of dance with where you're at. Uh-huh. And I think typically a lot of those, what the, the tendency of many of them are to actually reassociate. Yes. That's it, man. That's it. To and something. But if your idea of who you are. Right. Is, is so to bound to something that it might feel like a disassociation, but perhaps there's a mass behind that, yes. you know, and they're like, oh, okay, that's so that reassociation with something that I always was and always mm-hmm. will be. Yes, you know, I, I sound like a new age hippie right now. I, for everybody that's rolling their eyes, I apologize no. in advance. <laughs> no, but yeah. <laughs> but that is. You know, in this, and cannabis is a perfect example of this. You know, we have done, in Western civilization, we have done such a magnificent job of compartmentalizing Mm. and attaching labels and identification status to just about everything in our lives. And that can be helpful when you're functioning from that left brain side and you've got to get stuff done and you're task oriented and you've got to complete the mission, et cetera. Yeah. You've got to do your taxes. You've got I mean, to do all help. of that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the grander experience of what being a human is all about, which is really, can you be cool with what is? Like, just what is? Like, what what are we doing here? We're just sitting here, like, yep. having a conversation. Can you be good with that either way? That's what these tools are so great for. Cannabis, psilocybin. Breath. Breath. Immersion, med, yeah, anything. Running like pool the, work. Running further than you thought you could. Yeah. Going up in front of 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, pooping your pants. When you're just like... <laughs> All of those attachments are just shredded from your being and you're just left with what is and what you are. And it's, that's so beautiful and such a profound experience to reassociate you with what's truly real. If that makes sense. Yeah. Where are you at with all of this? Where's your level of, where's Evan's level of association to life? <laughs> question for anybody listening my life my life honestly has you know has become a constant process of letting go letting go of the moment i start attaching myself or identifying myself in one particular area or as one thing i know that i'm i'm going down a dead end road Mm. you know and always bringing myself back to right here, this moment, this thing, where I'm at, who I am, whatever I am. You said, you had a great thing earlier too, that you said, you were like, I am just this diode. Node. Node. Yeah. Of a particle of the universe known as Aaron. Yeah. You know, and that's, and, you know, all the things that come through and, all the moments of genius and brilliance and the great work you do as a body worker and connecting the mind body and in your align method and all of that. It's like, you're just a channel for the universe to work through you. Ideally. 
I get it in my the way of myself. Of course, and we do all the time because our ego is there. And I like for me, it's like Eb, you have to be the expert on cannabis. It's like no, I don't. Yeah, cannabis is there. I can just be a channel of what cannabis has been through and to tell the story of cannabis. I think you got to watch out for the person that doesn't call bullshit on themselves. Yeah. You know, so in in the moment where it's maybe like an Eckhart Tolle figure or like a Byron Katie who I've had on the podcast or Sadhguru, any of that, yeah, Sadhguru, yeah, yeah, which he has a lot of contention that I'm I'm not. Yes, I'm not. (laughs) I've listened to him three times, and each time I'm like, "Uh, there's a little, there's a little tinge of, and that's when you come back to, to, for me, you come back to some like my like gurus of sorts, just people that I've listened to for lots and lots of hours. Pretty much Ram Dass and Alan Watts. I've, I've logged by Love far those. the most number of hours with those people. I listen to Ram Dass every night before bed. I have it auto, you know, turn off at 45 minutes. Before that, for literally since I've been like, I don't know how old, 19 or 20, mm. I can't fall asleep unless Alan Watts or Ram Dass is uh, whispering sweet nothings into my ear. Those are two of my favorite guys. And the reason that I like them so much is because they don't buy their own shit. Yes. Absolutely. And so the second you get into that place where it's like, oh, yeah, man, I am just a, a medium. I'm just a channel. I'm like a pure, clear Voss of the universe <laughs> speaking through me. Like, fuck you. Come and kiss like, the ring. <laughs> like, you have instances yes. of that. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think the task, this human experience, could potentially be a process of you're just a fucking window washer. Yeah, totally. Man. You know, so if you humble yourself back, like, who is Evan? Evan's a window washer. Yeah, a dishwasher. Well, in the window washer in the sense of <laughs> yeah, the cleaning, yeah, yeah, you yes. get the glass, the clearer the signal comes through. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're not the signal. No. You're not even the glass. No. You're a fucking window washer. <laughs> <laughs> I.e. why Jesus that. was a fucking carpenter. Yes. You know, yeah. Jesus wasn't a king. Yeah. He wasn't a scholar. He's like, I, I put pieces of wood together yes <laughs> yes well you know what i always i love i don't remember who said this it might have been alan watts oh no this was somebody this was this other guru i listened to <laughs> <laughs> the gurus man but jesus said i am the way he didn't say this is the way come with me guys right i'm fucking gonna show you all the way he's like i am the way and in, in what that means to me is just what I do, interacting with other humans, washing the beggar's feet, hanging out with the prostitutes and the, the drunkards and spending time with them and listening to them and connecting with them. Like that is what life is in a sense. You know, it's doing the work. It's just doing the work, just being there in your purpose, whatever that might be to be available as a tool for the universe to use you when deemed necessary, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that a lot of Christianity, from my side, I'm reading the book, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross right mm. now, John Allegro, which is, gets into like the Dead Sea Scrolls and the, the potential metaphors, the translation of them, ancient Sumerian language, the potential translation says Allegro is that essentially like, the I haven't read the whole book, so I don't want to misspeak, but I think that the basis is like the Bible and Christianity and all that is is symbolic for the psychedelic experience, mm. which is pretty fascinating. Makes um, sense. I think it, there's there's some interesting sense yeah. to it. Yeah, you know, and so I think that the idea of 
Jesus and I am the way and all of that stuff. Like it's from my limited perspective, what the heck is going on here? I think that the, like the eye is more of a, it's more of like an umbrella eye. Mm-hmm. It's not like an individual point, mm. you know, and, and, and Watts gets into how religion is kind of like a, like a scaffolding holding up a building. Mm. So if your perception of that eye is out there, mm. then perhaps that's exactly what you need to have some North star right. to kind of bring you into alignment to something that's actually, you know, bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. And then eventually there's another level to it where you're like, Oh, you get there. And it's kind of like when you're pointing at the moon and you're, you know, you're, you're looking at your hand instead of the moon. You know, so you're like, you, you get there, you realize my hand was the religion. Mm. And then eventually you can move the hand away, which I don't think I'm, you know, any, I don't know where I am. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what yeah. I is after I, this conversation. Yeah. Uh, but eventually you get to a point where like, I didn't, I didn't, it was training wheels. Yeah. You know, all of this, the stories and, you know, taking all that, like, yep. you take it literally, however you take it, like, that was just kind of like the compass. But eventually you can put the compass down and just, oh, okay, mm. cool, you just be amongst it. Yeah. I think. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. I think that plant medicine, like cannabis, which I would say cannabis is almost like the fundamental, the foundational point of plant medicine. It's a great entry point. And with that, you know, I think in this modern day and age where we're so wrapped up in technology and what's out there, to have tools like cannabis to be able to bring us back into ourselves, to have this experience of spirituality, of, of a connection with something higher, greater than ourselves. You know, the, the idea of getting high, Ram Dass talks about this all the time. It's like, you're actually getting high, like you're getting a higher perspective mm. on things. And whether you use a tool like cannabis or psilocybin or whatever it is, to be able to get the gain that perspective, to know that it's all about what's going on inside of yourself, I think is the most important thing. And to realize that it's about your experience of what's happening right all around you in the here and now. Yeah. And I'm like my kind of devil's advocate for what I said previously is I think it's it's valuable to utilize the compass, just not be become obsessed with yes. the compass as though that is all of it. Exactly. It's like understanding the you know, the map. What is it? What's the terrain? understanding the map of the terrain, not confusing the forest for the trees, any of any of those, those yes. sayings. But sometimes you might need to come back to the compass. Yeah. I.e. like my dad, he's like born again Christian like five mm. times over. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, like I'm, well, I was, I was a Christian. Blah, blah. Then I like got, was like, I was a model and I got like cocaine and all that stuff. Like, okay, no more Christian. Like yeah. straight away, it's like, I need a compass. So, yes. Born again. I'm yeah. coming back. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, I'm smoking crack now. And I'm like, pimping women you're like oh stripped away it's like okay i'm i'm born again i'm coming back <laughs> compass completely you know and it's like so it's like it's like keep the compass is great yeah you know but i just don't think the compass is is it's not the thing all of it yeah it's not the thing is, is the tool yes and then i think it's very easy for a lot of f- folks with not entirely well-founded like whole integrated ideas kind of 
jumping themselves up to like self-righteous mode because they've forsaken the compass. Mm -hmm. I'm beyond the compass. Uh It's like, no, you're as lost as lost as anybody. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We all just have different versions of compasses. Yeah. I have the science compass. You have the Buddhist compass. You have the whatever compass. You've got the weed compass. You've got the psychedelic compass. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, who is it? Terrence McKenna, Ramdas, any of those guys who said like once you, if you've, got the message put the phone down you, know, you can't keep uh-huh. calling god yes because now you're just you're like a god addict yep or your idea of god so yes. you're ju- you could get just as lost yep. by being the spiritual psychedelic combo hoppe boss totally. person yes anyways no absolutely man I feel like i'm yelling <laughs> <laughs> well it's exciting stuff to me yeah. all of this unseen yeah yeah, man. Uh, well, cannabis was a fantastic tool for me to bring me back to square one, you know, through my vision quest of reaching the peak of this mountain called football, the peak being the NFL. Having done that, you know, from the time I was 13 years old, it was in my mind's eye to, to make it to the NFL. Mm. And everything I did, how I ate, how I trained, how I thought about the world, how I carried myself was all tied to achieving this dream. And I really, in doing so, had to disconnect from myself on many levels. You know, from one thing I talked to you about overriding the pain mechanism over and over again, which, yes... You have to do that as a warrior, but when you've done that day in, day out for 10, 15 years, you get to a place where you don't really know where you are anymore, Mm. you know? And so to help wind that back, at least to help bring me back to square one, or at least bring me back to some semblance of self, a ground floor level, Cannabis was always the thing that helped me just bring it back down to zero. Hmm. You go, oh, here I am. Here I am again. And I think it's, and my relationship with cannabis has, I've been the guy, wake up, wake and bake at 7 a.m. I mean, during my football career, I was up at five o'clock in the morning, ripping the vape, you know, three or four times before I headed to the facility. And I'd be stoned out of my mind for the first four hours of, of work (laughs) because I was just in so much physical and mental pain, you know, but that's what helped kind of catapult me into my day. Now I don't really do it until late at night Mm. to bring me down and just help me chill out. And I enjoy cannabis as much as I always have. It's just in a much different way. And how how common, because you were at the absolute top of global physical performance and that was your, daily ritual yeah which is probably pretty surprising i think to a lot of people uh because it's like it's you know it's shameful or you could lose a contract yeah. or you could you know all these different issues like uh, how common is that in sports in general from your perspective uh, in the nfl at least 50 percent of the guys are using cannabis i would say maybe 25 percent of those guys are using it the way i used it which was very frequently in the NFL, you only have an annual test for cannabis and you have a general idea of when that's going to happen. It's either going to happen when you first report to spring training in April 
or about the first week of summer training camp in the end of July, early August. So once you get that test, you're free to use and consume cannabis as much as you want to, need to, etc. So one, you got to know how to navigate that system. And then two, you know, I was dealing my back, sciatica, nerve damage, couldn't feel my foot on the ground, my shoulder hurt, neck hurt. And I knew that hitting that vaporizer, you know, I had like the old school hose vape volcano set up. Yeah. I could hit that a few times, get a nice cushiony feeling to my, in my body. And then I'd head to work, get my treatment. They'd roll me out, stem me up, hit the ice tub, hit the hot tub. And by the time I'm in meetings, I'm feeling ready to go for the day. Mm. Because, I mean, we're watching two, three hours of film first thing in the morning. And if you've got a blown out back and herniated disc that's just shooting into the sciatic nerve, you know, it's pretty hard to sit still for three hours. So having, being able to have cannabis and be able to use it was super helpful during that time. And then to, you know, you got to go in and get your weight workout in and then you've got walkthroughs and then you've got lunch and then you've got practice and then you've got more film work. And then by the time you get home, you're just front ragged, you know, take a couple hits on the, on the J, take a deep breath, decompress. Remember that you have a family, remember that you have people around you Mm. to connect with and you're already in a very compartmentalized flow of life because everyone around you is like give Eb space give Eb space because he's getting ready for a game or he just had a big day of practice or you know so you're constantly in that life and then coming out of that that's a whole deconstruction of self and who you are and how you relate to the world and cannabis really helped with all that it helped Mm -hmm. smooth that transition as difficult as it still was you know and then when you talk about the self-reflective aspects of cannabis. Now I've come out of my career and I'm consuming cannabis on a daily basis because for one, for the pain, also for the mere boredom of life after football, <laughs> trying to figure out who I am and what I'm doing. Well, you went to the, you're one of the few people that got to go to the moon. Yeah. Yes, there's exactly. a lot of depression after going to the moon, after mm. winning the gold medal, after yes, you know, I feel like I wonder if football players are almost lucky because their career is maybe this isn't the right way of saying it, but but you you go to the moon quite young, yes, and then you have your whole life, yeah, you know, so you have that kind of you have a little cushion, you still have life left, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, to do something else, yeah potentially whereas i wonder if it would be to come to that point where you've done everything that you could and be like 40 or 50 or something Mm. like that and then you're like well now i'm old now what yeah to reach that point of crisis that moon that moon point of crisis at like 22 yeah it's like i wonder yeah i was 27 and i was done and yeah i feel very blessed and very grateful that i had such an intense experience so young Mm. and to be able to come out and have tools from that that I've learned and to be feel in many ways broken but there's a lot of healing that happens and you you know most of our lives anyway if you're doing it right ends up being devoted to healing yourself from yeah. all of your childhood shit 
Um, and your parents' childhood. And your shit. parents' childhood and shit. Their parents' and their shit. shit. Yeah. And your cults are shit. Oh my God. So, <laughs> but right? I mean, to me, it's like, what else do we have in life but to heal ourselves and to get a better understanding of ourselves? Mm. Come to terms with ourselves. I wonder if he, so heals another one of those charts like trigger words for me where I, I immediately have like a new age like uh flare ah. like why are you healing like shut up <laughs> and then i'm like well that's pretty much what you're doing you know i think that i wonder if healing like a replacement word for my kind of my filter would be like um integrating mm. Accept, i like that accepting i like that because if you yeah. come into acceptance or yes. integration, it's like if the body is whole, if everything, yeah, all the circuits yeah. are in alignment, mm. it's like, hey, it works. And but the mere idea of healing means that there's something, a wound to be healed. Yeah, right. And, and then sometimes we can become, you know, attached to that story. And if you're always, you're just always healing guys, like, have you ever even had a, a like <laughs> a you... glimmer of wholeness? It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm healing guy. <laughs> Like, well, if you weren't healing guy, who would you be? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. Yeah. yeah, I like that word integrate. Integrate, man. You put, put the parts together. Yeah. If, are my parts yeah. well, a little part over here, a little part over here? Like, I feel scattered. Yeah. You know, and typical, the common remedy with that in Western culture is like, okay, blast yourself with more caffeine. Right. You know, just like get through it. Let's go. Yeah. But then yeah. if you use something that is more of, of like an emissary role, like the master is emissary, something that mm. starts activating more of that, that yes. right side hemisphere. Yes. Um, and it's a little bit more introspective. Yep. Uh, that's culturally, we're in a structure that will end up kind of ridiculing that you're like oh you're being a pansy you're being this yeah. and that but i think it's it really it's like the, the strongest warrior would be the person that has a full practice of both intro outro yin yang light dark mm -hmm. like if you can have both sides of the coin really fully actualized now you're a sustainable badass mm. but if you're all heads yep. and you disregard the tails it might work for a little while yeah and it might be impressive you know for a bit but it's just you're at some point if you make it to that point you don't have some kind of crazy accident where you like leave this body or whatever you will have to come back and Integrate do reparations both. with yourself essentially yes. You're like oh shit yeah anyways that's been a big practice of mine lately is just sitting with the darkness you know and just being good with that okay Eb, today we feel completely fucking hopeless <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah man all right too. all right <laughs> it hurts it's not as fun as feeling inspired and creative but you know what? It's a fucking intensely beautiful emotion just the same. You know? Feeling hopeless, feeling grief, feeling sadness. Let's just like, let's just sit with it. Let's not run. Let's not go hit the fucking, you know, you know, drink the alcohol or turn on the porn or hit the video games or, you know, pick up whatever other thing there is. Yeah, to, to run away from it. Let's just be with this fuck <laughs> and then you come out you realize you come out of it and you're like oh that ended too yeah. and here i am again i'm happy i feel good i'm with friends i'm working out i'm sweating i'm moving you know it's like man it's all part of the experience you know and if i can do the dance with both 
I'm a stronger individual for it. Yeah. I think it's it's easier to have the idea that it's wise to be able to just sit with the shit and go into the darkness and be with that, you know, and, and not be overly attached to it and just witness it. I think in the same stroke, you can have the exact same idea of, of the happiness and the elation and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you treat them both equal. Yeah. Love them both. You don't yeah. have a favorite son. Like Rumi said. These are visitors from beyond and greet mm. them both as friends. Yeah, bring them in for tea. Yeah. Hang out. Yeah. Yeah. They have a message for you either and then as, way. As you get to that point, which again, this is I'm I'm in in like spiritual boot camp 100%. I'm I'm I think I'm quite maybe like third grade. Second grade? <laughs> it's got to be less than that. But that's like but like but more Ramdas. Then we got to wrap this bitch up cuz you got places to go. We're already at your timeline. But he with that perspective where you allow them all in for tea and you don't really kind of choose favorites, it's kind of just like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. One of the things he's, he mentioned was how, you know, he used to have all of these neuroses that would, you know, mm-hmm. bind him up and like sexual perversions mm-hmm. and they'd get angry. And it's just like totally attached, yes. you know, that he's well bound, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that feeds energy into those. They're like monsters. Yes. And he's like, well, now I still, I have all of them. Mm. I haven't transcended anything, mm. but now they're like my children, <laughs> you know? So I still have got this, the sexual thing and I still got the fear thing and I still got the OCD thing and I still got like all of these different control thing. They're all me. <laughs> <laughs> but when I run away from them, then they become powerful yes. and they get, yes. you know, it's like if you're in a race with somebody, like the second that they see you, grimace or lose mm. that kind of spirit that like mm. all of a sudden they literally like david goggins says like taking your soul they literally you yeah they pull energy from mm. you and they get a little bit bigger yes and so if you can come from that 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 place where it's like okay like yeah i i, I feel this um okay mm. You know, and the same thing with happy, the same thing with all of that. Then it's just like you just have a bunch of little neurotic children. We all just kind of hang out and we wrestle, and it's great. We play kickball. kickball. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do pizza nights. That really (laughs) links to the idea of healing in in, in my mind because if you're constantly seeking out healing, then you're perpetually. There's always distance. Yeah, there's always like, oh no, I shouldn't feel that because I have to heal that. Yeah. That anger. I have to heal that anger. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know because do we ever like like Ramdas talks about, you never it never goes away. Does it? Like these no. the neuroses, the triggers, the traumas, they they never go anywhere. And you're never the channel. Right. You're never the or maybe you always were. But you're never enlightened. Yeah, you're never like, oh, finally, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like, you, you had a moment. Yeah, yeah. You, yes, and that's that's what we have to continue to grapple with and wrestle with and just be okay with and allow it. And I think that's one of the beautiful parts of. I mean, that's my favorite part of being a human. I love it. You know. All right, you got places to go. You got children to feed. Thanks, man. You got people. Thanks so much. Oh, we're finishing at one, one, one. Did I give you what you needed? Oh, come on. All right, I don't. You know, that was fun. That was fun. Um, We. I mean, the main thing was I. I 
I've been interested in, in attempting to grasp the story of cannabis because mm. I think it's it's been very misaligned throughout history yeah. and all of like the weird guilt and shame and this and that, you know, that's just fascinating that that was actually institutionalized guilt and shame. Yes. And then if you get to the point of start asking those questions, you know, oh, where else have I been instructed to look away from? Mm. Perhaps what if I looked deeper into that? What if like that's that rock that I wasn't supposed to turn over? Like I say we turn it over. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> What's under there? What's under that thing? Uh, where should people go from here for for to learn more about? Mr. Well, you could, you could check me out on Instagram at eds britain. You can head to my website evanbritain dot com and check out my new podcast, The Ebb and Flow. Ebb and Flow, I love that. Yeah, man. And then the uh, we'll see what the hot boxing with Mr. Tyson. Well, that's that's yeah. You can check that out. Uh, I believe they're airing all the fresh episodes air on Thursdays. Um, we have not, you know, little disclaimer, we have not recorded anything new since COVID hit, but there's a lot of good stuff still still um, leaking out there. I love it. Well, I'm glad that Mike encountered you because I think that you're probably quite instrumental in his thanks man life yeah it's been very i've i've definitely as much therapy as i might have provided for mike he has provided me with an equal amount of integration and healing of my own Mm. you know just when you get to spend time with a guy who's literally been at mountainous highs and hellfire lows and to be able to come up and really just continue to get back on the horse, you know? That's kind of what I come back to all the time. Can you just, no matter how bad you fuck up or how much you feel like you fail, can you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and take another step? Yeah. You know? And Mike is a testament to that ultimate aspect of what life is really all about, just to continue carrying on. I love it. Yeah. I would say the exact same thing about you. Thanks, man. Fuck. I appreciate it. I really appreciate you Mm. and you bringing me in here, man. (laughs) My dog. All right. Thank you all for tuning in and uh, over and out. See you next week. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Definitely went into some wandery bits. And so I quite enjoy conversations where we can kind of go down rabbit holes that I end up coming up with question marks myself. So hopefully that is okay with you guys for me to lead down these wandering directions and um, I appreciate y'all following along the journey. If you did enjoy this episode, you would like to share it, share it with the world on Instagram. It's a great place. Uh, you can find me at Align Podcast or you can find Evan Britton at Ed's Britton. Ed's is spelled E-D-S. Britton is spelled B-R-I-T-T-O-N. Uh, he is a, as you've heard, a really tremendous open-hearted, kind, sweet, giant of a man, and I'm grateful to get to have a conversation with him. Per mention in the introduction, if you all have any issues with your hips, if you got some tightness back there or you're experiencing low back pain, I have a solution for you, and it can be found at alignpodcast.com slash masterclass. It is completely free. It is a really beautiful piece of content that breaks down the fundamental exercises that y'all want to have in your daily existence. Very simple, very easy, 
very free. Found it at linepodcast.com slash masterclass. You just go to linepodcast.com, you'll find it. It's also in my link in the bio at a line podcast Instagram page. All right. Big kisses. Love y'all. Enjoy the rest of your life. Bye.